This programme was first aired on the 16th of March 2016. This episode of Media Flash is brought to you by MediaHQ.com, the simple way to make the news. Have you got a story that you'd like to share with the Irish media but don't have the right contacts? With MediaHQ.com, you can access our database of almost 8,000 journalists and send them your press release using your own email address. You can also publish your story on MediaHQ.com and connect it to your social media account. Make the news with MediaHQ.com. To learn more about our service or to sign up for an account, call Gay on 01-473-2050 or email her at gay at MediaHQ.com. That's gay, G-A-Y-E, at MediaHQ.com. Welcome to programme number 26. In today's show, we look at the rise of female-focused media. We ask, has the digital age meant that women's issues are prevailing online? We delve into the minds of female audiences with the editors of Her.ie and Shamazing. As well as chatting to the 25-year-old founder and CEO of Goss.ie. We speak to a writer from Broadly, Vice News' cutting-edge sister site. And analyse the appetite for hard-hitting news with younger readers. This is Media Flash, a show about the media. I'm Alex Sheehan. And I'm Connor McMahon. I'm now joined in studio with Grace O'Reilly, Associate Editor of Her.ie, Gillian Fitzpatrick, Editor of Shamazing, and Roshan Kibberd, Contributor to Vice News' Broadly, among other websites and publications, as well as Alexander Ryan, CEO and founder of Goss.ie. So thanks a million, everyone, for joining me. Um, and I can't wait to see what kind of discussions we have. So we're just going to discuss female-driven media and digital destinations. Um, and I think to kick it off, we'll just give an insight into into each of you and, and, and what you do. Um, so Grace, her.a is hugely popular among Irish women. Um, I think it's 2.3 unique million views a month. Um, and has it always had such a high following or has there been ups and downs with it? Well, actually, I joined the company um, 11 months after its inception when it was very much in the startup phase. And um, since then, it's it's grown from strength to strength. I think probably the, 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 the marker for me um, when it catapulted into success was in terms of numbers uh, was in November of 2013. And it was all down to one viral story and and after that numbers never really um never really fell um yeah it was and i suppose with um i suppose we, we've we've been in the shadow since we since the beginning um of our brother's site joe.ie and it is very um difficult sometimes to be under the same roof of a brand that is so recognized but i think that we've um particularly the team that's there now we fought tirelessly um, in order to establish ourselves to stand alone um, from Joe.ie because it is very it was very easy initially to to coast on a bit of their success yeah you know? of course no I think you definitely have made your own name for yourself and especially with the the her talks and you know as was going into other platforms it's, yeah it's well um in the last I actually I I left the company in March of last year for seven months um, and moved into radio, but uh, I realised that I loved <laughs> the digital side of things too much, and I, I moved back. And from the end of October, start of November, really, um, we've worked to change the editorial direction. So it's quite a, I call it the new her.ie. I think it's what it will, how I, how I pitched it to the girls initially, it was like that we were growing up, and mm-hmm. it was becoming a much more well-rounded site um, with topics of interest for, for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um and that was very important for me. So in like the her.ie that you're reading now was is very different to the 
heard of, i.e. that was, um, I suppose, consumed a year ago. Yeah, I suppose they all transform with yeah. time. Um, Ali, of course, Scott.ie is targeted for men as well, so we're not saying anything here now, <laughs> just that women are interested. Um, but, and, and you set it up yourself, so did you see that there was, like, a gap in the market for kind of, like, an Irish celebrity-focused site, or how did you how did you come up with the idea? Yeah, so I suppose it's all about celebrity. It is for men and women, but like honestly, it's seventy one percent female readers, and that's just—I mean—I think that's naturally who are interested in celebrity and showbiz news. Um, I would have worked in newspapers before, so I worked for the Herald, um, and then I worked with Mail on Sunday for two years. And I suppose while I was there, the Mail Online was getting huge, and I'd like visited the LA office, and I'd worked in the London office as well. And I just felt there was a niche here that there was nothing that was only for Irish. And that's what we specifically do is we don't have Kim Kardashian or anything like that on the side. It's only Irish celebrities. And I kind of wanted to create that celebrity bubble again, because anyone who's been in the business a long time, like photographers or editors or journalists, they'll all say there was this bubble before, you know, when Bono was around and Colin Farrell and everyone was out. And I think there's as many celebrities now, but maybe they weren't celebrated as much. And I remember when I started, um, a couple of photographers saying to me, like, we'd love like to create this bubble again. And they genuinely think since we started again that it has a bit, you know, that more yeah. snapping people on the streets again, whether if it's Holly Carpenter or if it is Bono, that kind of thing is back again. And I guess the boom is kind of back in a way as well. <laughs> so the parties are back. Um, but my main aim was to create um, a unique site that was only for Irish celebrities. So looking at Amy Huberman and Ryan Tuberty rather than Victoria Beckham and Selena Gomez and all that. And that's what makes us different to other sites. And also because I'd seen how the Mail Online worked, I didn't really want to compete against the Mail Online either. Like mm-hmm. we are a startup at the end of the day. And I suppose the difference between Goss and a lot of other companies even here today is we didn't have any funding at the start so I did this completely by myself so there was never an investor there was never a company behind us so that made it difficult but it meant the pressure was on to stand out really really fast and we did in fairness and we're only going like 20 months now and we had our first awards show last month so that was insane and the coverage we got was amazing so so far so good it's working out the appetite is there like Gillian was saying like for young women looking for news, you know, you do have the likes of Joe Dottie, which is really, really great. And I think there was for a while lacking female sites like that. And now there's a lot of them. And I honestly think the more the merrier, like yeah, definitely. definitely. And I mean, there's loads to celebrate with, with Irish, even with Irish celebrity, with Irish talent. And it gives that opportunity, like this whole rise in digital. Um, and Roisin, you contribute to a number of online websites and publications, yeah. um, but one in particular, I suppose, that, that lends itself to what we're discussing today would be Broadly, which mm. is part of Vice News. Um, did you did you see, was there a need for, for Vice to start up Broadly, a kind of a female-focused um, sister option to it? Yeah, it's really interesting. I um, I mean, I feel like I'm relatively new to this whole <laughs> journalism game, but uh, I feel also like I came along on Vice on the main page, like Vice UK, I was writing for them just before Broadly happened. And it's really interesting just gauging the interest that the very openly female targeted stories that I wrote for them gained. I mean, they got quite a lot of attention and I think it was because they stood out next to, I mean, Vice is obviously changing as a company even now and it has changed a great deal in the last five or 10 years and it's very much shaken off that old like Gavin McInnes lad culture offensive for the sake of it you know um gives no yeah well um anyway um but uh I was you know I wrote like the first kind of two or three pieces I wrote for them uh, the first one was 
it's about Irish models um, and it got me a lot of trouble but um, but it was fun and it was interesting it was strange also to write about Ireland for a UK website but but it was also about it had the word misogyny in the headline and you know it was next to the usual party coverage and odes to you know old subcultures in England and stuff, very kind of laddish stories, but it did get attention. And then I wrote another one about the fappening and it had Jennifer Lawrence was the picture. And I suppose she's enough to get a story, some attention. But it was also, again, very sympathetic to women. It wasn't about like, let's all look at these pictures. It was explaining the psychology of why women take pictures of themselves and might send naked pictures to boys sometimes and shouldn't be shamed for that. Um, but anyway, these got a lot of attention. Um, I mean, it was really obvious. I think like this is only from my perspective because I've never worked at Vice, I've just freelanced for them. But I think it seems very obvious that these female-focused stories were starting to sneak in and that the time was right for them to start a website openly targeting women and do it on their own terms too. You know, it's a very uniquely vice site. Yeah, broadly. it is. It's quite, and I like the way it's kind of edgy and it's something different, you mm. know, it does feel quite fresh to it. Yeah. Um, and I suppose this is kind of a, a question for everyone, but why do you think there's been such a sudden surge in in demand for female perspectives in the media? I mean, I think it, what's great about um, digital content, specifically driven maybe for women, is that it almost gives women an equal footing. It gives women this incredible platform. If you think about maybe even traditional newsrooms, they're inherently male driven. And that's always the way, you know, that's the, the, the kind of, I suppose, the old Fleet Street stereotype, isn't it? You know, where you've got these kind of loud, very domineering men. And sometimes, and, and uh, lots of women would have said, I found it really difficult to make my voice heard in, in that situation. And I love the way that digital has really leveled the playing field in that sense. And I think that women responding to that, I mean, like Alison highlighted that, you know, more users on her side, even though it's not specifically driven and got study that you have that you you're after female readership inherently that's that they're the people that are coming to the site it's 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 women that want that um and possibly because the product wasn't there beforehand um and i think that it, that's really exciting something to be celebrated um across all all the different platforms be it her.ie amazing.net got study you know vice whatever it is that there are products out there they're they're catering maybe to slightly different audiences but the more the merrier certainly is, is certainly I totally agree and especially the newsroom aspect because me and you have both worked in mm-hmm. similar newsroom yeah. um, I think a lot of newspapers and magazines not only in Ireland but all over the world they may be female led audiences but they're created by men and I think maybe what's changed in the last few years is the kind of push now of people creating their own media so that even stems from bloggers to people who have digital influencers now so Instagram accounts and a lot of them are women like the biggest digital influencers at the moment are actually all female so I think a new drive kind of came out where it was a lot of women talking about their own experiences whether it's doing your own makeup or talking to boys or any of that that started coming out and I think the male led places were like oh crap we need to start doing this too so a lot of the newspapers in Ireland and in the UK and you can see from the Mail Online especially are so driven towards women but it's completely run by men so I think what's happening now in the digital space in Ireland is a lot of women like us all in the room here are starting to get in control of those sites and that coverage and I was saying to you before this that like I hate nothing more than seeing the word like thigh gap and like that's constantly <laughs> on the Mail Online and side boot yeah and loads of sites and like her curves yeah <laughs> And look, I love the Mail Online. We're all addicted to it. But I suppose what I want to do is change, 
you know, the whole male gaze is still prominent. So even though these sites look like they're for women, they're really not. And like, mm. for me, I want the sites not to kind of focus on women's insecurities, but kind of celebrate women. And if that is just giving them a bit of gossip that they can chat over instead of being like, this girl is skinny, this is what you should look at and, and look like. And that's Why what some of the sites are like. I think in Ireland now it's changing a lot and amazing her daddy, all I mean, of the I sites. I think they're very celebratory um, of women. Um, even we started doing a few events called Gossip Live and our women first women one we had like Marissa Carter and it was just about it gives women this empowerment and we got so many you think about there, maybe even like, traditional news have been happening ages ago same with inherently her talks, male driven and that's always what you have to now the, kind of, the amount of male driven stereotype isn't it you know where you've got these kind of loud very domineering men and sometimes lots of women one of the most viral stories we ever wrote was about in that situation and I love the way that digital has really leveled we got over a million views on that and I think that women responding to that. Going, I mean, like Alison highlighted that, it was that, you know, more users on girls. her side, even though it's not specifically driven there was all and gossipy that, that you had, that you were after a few months ago. Inherently, that's I'm that, they're the people that, that are coming to the way to a career, it's, and that's it's women what I want that is going to be about. And possibly because the product wasn't there before and going, don't these girls look gorgeous like they're really exciting in the middle of winter. I think this is so interesting as well. Because the you know, whatever it is there are products out there but it they're catering maybe to slightly different audiences anymore. it's a dialogue but it's always about more the merrier certainly is a lot of women like us all in the room here are starting to get in control of those sites and that coverage and I was saying to you before like I hate nothing more than seeing the word like and like that's constantly on the male line and and loads of sites and like more curves I love the male line we're all addicted to it but I suppose what I want to do is change but you know the whole Facebook comments can be annoying so even though these sites are for women they're really not and like for me I want it's not to kind of focus on women's insecurities but kind of celebrate women and if that is just a little bit of gossip you know, let's yeah, not try and like pretend that we're, like, we're solely on some great mission at, like. at the end of the day if I did like, really I think in Ireland now it's changing a lot and amazing her daddy all of the sites I think they're very celebratory of women that reflect badly on the website that's not what women want you know as Alison highlighted females able to drive content we're best placed to know what our users want and we want mm -hmm. to give our users what I want because they want to you know we want them coming back consuming more sharing the article sending it to their friends commenting on it talking about it that's what we're driving trying to do every single day with every piece that goes up online um, and it's, it is interesting and digital gives you the, the platform I suppose like the Facebook comments 
people will go on Twitter and hunt you down and yeah. tell you what they think. <laughs> and that's great. It's, you know, it, it takes a bit of getting used to if you have, like I've come from a traditional print background, but it's it's fantastic. It's addictive. It should be celebrated. And and really, it, it's it's something that's constantly evolving. The funniest part is that the um oh sorry, the funniest part is that like even the person in the picture, say if you were you know if you wrote some like someone wrote some body shaming post or or talks excessively about thigh gaps or whatever, but the person in that picture may well then take it to task on Twitter. Like I was just thinking the other day about how like I was kind of raised on not that like my parents gave it to me, but I read a lot of Perez Hilton growing up and that whole age of do you remember like the concern trolling like size zero you know puts on a leggy display is she too skinny and her handbag is like bigger than her and you know she's carrying a little dog but like that person then could probably shame Paris Hilton back now mm-hmm. that, I, I know he's still around but like that just does not fly anymore no, it's more human doesn't. now because everyone's I loved old school Perez though he was hilarious oh, he just annoyed actually, everybody yeah. it was on purpose yes. that's what made him so big like there was a story one time that Jennifer Aniston stopped him at like a petrol pump and was like stop being so mean <laughs> Wow. and then he wrote a post about it and he actually since then hasn't been that mean so like that's what got him famous and that's mm-hmm. what got probably the biggest blog ever at the start to be yeah. honest he's, he's, mates, he's mates with them all now so yeah. it's a bit it's a bit Water down he's in though, Rihanna's SM video, like, do you know what I mean? <laughs> but, like, yeah, yeah, he's in it. Oh my god! Yeah, but I yeah. suppose it started it. Like, it, it did kind of start a, a culture itself. Yeah. But even what you're saying about about digital, like, I suppose, like, glossy magazines have been around for years. Like, our our mothers read them. Our, our grandmothers could have read them. But like, it's it's that thing with digital can bring other people's voices into it. Like, with the comments and with their own perspective. And I know with her dot you always get, um stories from, from yeah. readers that bring their own, I suppose, voice into it and their own topics and what interests them. For us, user-generated content is very important and it provides us with some of our biggest hitters. Um, and I think that that's the importance, as we were just saying there, about giving people that space to even comment under, under articles on Facebook. I think social media provides the tool for us to engage in a conversation that traditional media mm-hmm. outlets can never really have um we can in turn create conversation and ultimately set the agenda um the news agenda which is like particularly in the new editorial direction is very important for us and we really encourage like initially when the site was set up you had a there was a prize element um to send in in a story you know if your story was used and it was the most popular story of the month you were rewarded with um with cash now we we've since um, done away with that because I think it's a it's a like a culture now almost that people feel that the need that they want to speak out and they're they're going to these larger platforms um, with their opinion pieces you know whereas it would have been five years five years ago it would have been a letter to the editor in the Times whereas mm-hmm. now we're getting them into the hello at her.ie yeah. um, inboxes full of of content full of people that want to have their say and that's really important and I think it's really um, important for us as publishers and particularly with our large platforms that we do have that we recognise the responsibility to give these readers um, the opportunity to have their say and also to work in in introducing new voices and introducing um, and combining them with the voices that we've grown up with um, you know the news readers that have been documenting the news to us for years that we combine them in order to affect the ch- positive change in Ireland 
Yeah. It's citizen journalism, isn't it? Like yeah. to use the cliche mm, yeah, term, but it is. Oh, we time. all we all have a phone in our hand, so therefore we you know, everyone who's out there has the ability to capture a moment on their phone, to tweet about it, to to send to their friends via the likes of WhatsApp, to put it on Facebook. And you know, that's fascinating. And us as publishers then it's it's our jobs to to filter through that. You know, once upon a time you'd you'd have what was called a quiet news day. Like mm. a, you know, the Monday Mon- know. Monday's paper existed anymore. What was was traditionally, you know, a, a kind of a roundup of what happened at the weekend and what was in the Sunday papers because there was nothing else to put in the paper on a Monday. And it, you 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 were kind of trying to desperately get pe- uh, good stories together and you were delighted if a big celebrity died or got divorced yeah. because you were thinking fantastic we've got 100%. something to put in the paper on a Monday. And now I mean you have the opposite it's an absolute avalanche of information, of stories, of pictures, of what's viral. What are people talking about? And, it, you know, it's us saying, what do our users really want? Yeah. What do they want to consume? What are they going to be sharing, talking about, not only right here, right now, but tomorrow, later on in the week? What are the slow burners? What are the things that if we don't, if Shamazing doesn't cover, what are we going to, hers going to cover, Goss is yeah. going to cover, and we're going to be missing out, you know, and that's the challenge, I think, really now. And it's not even citizen content, like celebrities are mm, doing their own content. Exactly. That's one of the yeah. huge changes. And that's why newspapers to me are a bit void, especially when it comes to showbiz specifically. But even with other things, like people tweet things now instead of using their agents or instead of you having to run down and find a story, someone's going to tweet a story, they're going to tweet a picture and they own those images, but we're all using those Mm -hmm. images. So like they're having their own say. So it's not even just females that are sending things in it's the likes of Kim Kardashian putting out that picture she's completely naked and starting the whole conversation about slut shaming mm-hmm. you might hate her you might not but at the end of the day she's starting conversations so like all these other people are there you're literally sitting back watching to see what's going to happen and like Julian said there's so much it's like what do you decide? Like, what do you pick on? It's like when Brian and Vogue announced there that they were yeah, separating. Yeah. No one saw that coming. I didn't yeah. see it coming anyway. I don't think our users saw it coming. But again, they both put up the joint statement on via Twitter. Twitter. Yeah. And yeah. suddenly we were all talking about and it. And then the newspapers were a day late by the time exactly. that they had it. Yeah. It, it yeah. really leaves you in an odd place, like from my perspective, because I don't publish, I just write, I just pitch ideas and contribute. And really, I mean, half of the time you end up having a conversation about the conversation. <laughs> and then it's like, what is my role in even this? Like, <laughs> yeah. Is my role to articulate what everyone else is feeling? Is my role to poke the fire and, you know, troll people essentially <laughs> yeah. into more rage so we can prolong the story and I can get some Twitter followers or something? Yeah. I mean, it's really strange. I feel like this is a kind of age of a surfeit information, of surfeit of information. And then how the only way you can really prove yourself worth listening to is as a curator. Mm-hmm. But often it's all just completely after the fact. Although there is an appetite for for think pieces, yeah, which yeah. can be good and can be bad. I, I don't know. And it depends even. on the product, I suppose. I mean, yeah. specifically here, we're talking about a really aggressive genre. That's this whole celebrity lifestyle media, where there's no brand loyalty. First of yeah. all, you know, your mm-hmm. users will go elsewhere if you're not giving them what they mm-hmm. want. Where you know, to use examples from the other from the other websites in the Shiology Group, Mummy Pages and Magic Mum, part of their massive success, especially we see with Mummy Pages, which has um, a big UK profile as well, is is that you, we were able to build up a really loyal readership and, and users and people that would come back again and again because they loved Mummy Pages. And while you can never rest in your laurels, you can't just say, oh, that's fine now, we've got X amount of million users. I do think that with the likes of Shemaisen or Huragos, you know, it's much more aggressive. You mm-hmm. have to be much more on the ball and really who's looking and consuming your content today might not be doing so tomorrow because if you're not keeping up um, that aggressive stance 
they will just go elsewhere. So it's, like quite, it's, it's quite transient in that sense. It's a little bit scary for us, I'm yeah, sure. I think, you know? I think it's hard, especially for Shamazing and her, because you cover so much, whereas we're more specific mm-hmm. with the slur. Like, we do cover other stuff sometimes, but for me, like, my main thing is that we break the news before anyone else. Like, so that's my thing. So it's literally being awake 24 hours a day, and I am literally making sure the stories are first. So for us, we have kind of built up a bit of a loyal readership just because they know that they're going to get the news first and that's like our thing mm-hmm. is that we break exclusives the next day the papers will have it but people know it comes from gossip so that's like our thing but that causes anxiety as well so it's like making sure you get those stories like we get the f- them right you that's get the them right well. that's a huge thing and coming from journalism newspaper journalism is good because I'm very much so I won't just throw stuff out and I think maybe some of the places do sometimes I'm very strict I'll contact the person I'll double source the story I'll contact everyone involved that kind of thing but like we were the first site in the world to have that um, Chris O'Dow was expecting his baby when he had his baby so it's not even just like stories in Ireland it's Irish stories that are international mm-hmm. and making sure that you're the first and we get so many links back from like the Mail Online like E! News have credited us before and that's because we're first so that's like our main mm-hmm. thing so you're kind of up against other sites trying to do that and being well, first makes all the difference I'm yeah. sure we'll all agree we've, we've seen that you know yeah. it, it, there is no there's no formula for what makes something viral and if there was we just all do that every day it really is not I always well I think I think I have a good sense of, of what's going to do well on Shamazing but sometimes something does astronomically yeah, well and I could have never predicted yeah. it yeah. and uh, sometimes you know something doesn't do as well as I expected um, but I, I think that um, really so much I suppose is, is about the time and, and the place and all the rest but as Alison highlights first and foremost if you can get out of the traps before anyone else that's going to that's ensure good. that yeah. people are liking and sharing and commenting If you like today's programme, then why not listen back to episode 12 when we spoke to Sunday Business Post editor Ian Kyo about the future of news. People always ask the question, why are people going online? Why are they reading online? And it's very simple and very simplistic to say people are reading online because it's free or because it's handy and it's accessible. I think it's it's more profound than that. I think an awful lot of the reasons people are getting their news online or in a digital format is it's better. Just going back to your your glossy magazines, um question for me like there's certain glossy magazines i think in almost insult their their intel their readers intelligence yeah and they place limitations um on readers like that that do not need to be there um and i feel that in i'd say in the next three to five years times that particularly with the with the like beauty focused magazines are, are the just fashion centric that that won't be enough that won't be substantial yeah. enough for people and that's when the digital websites that cater for everything for everyone for I suppose across a, a range of topics will thrive yeah that's why magazines are going online too yeah yeah, yeah. I was going to ask you Roisin as well like you mm-hmm. you do kind of write about a, a broad spectrum of things and some of them are are harder harder stories like I know you write features but even about like I suppose women's rights with their body or you know what yeah. like and how how do you find is there a different appreciation of different stories do you find that or would you always kind of get a similar reception no it's really diverse and strange um I my kind of pet topic would be women in the internet and women in technology um but what I'm noticing is I still don't think there is a formula to what maybe gets a lot of hits and what doesn't. And a lot of the time I put a lot of love and time and effort into something. I get completely in love with the thing I'm writing about. I, I did that like 
a week ago or two, I interviewed um, this woman, Charlotte Shane, and she has a book coming out, but she used to write her memoirs. Um, she worked as a sex worker and she, she was writing her memoirs for about a year um, in e- emails. And you would sign up to these emails and you'd get one every month. And it would be her, essentially her memoirs. Um, and she's brought them out as a book. I got completely obsessed with this. She's such a good writer as well. She's such an interesting kind of embodiment of like the middle ground between really high quality, beautiful writing, but also catering to the internet and an online audience. But I mean, it didn't get as much attention as the thing I wrote a week before. It's not from my perspective. Maybe she got attention, but where I just wrote a guy took a picture of me while I was having sex with him. And like, I don't know if it's on the Internet and that's scary because then everyone's just like, oh, it's a sob story. And of course, it, it wasn't. I wasn't writing it like a sob story. I was writing it like I wanted to just do my usual analysis of why, you know, ideas on sex are so bound up in the internet now and in mediation and pictures and stuff but really everyone just takes the story from it it's like you're a victim of revenge porn. probably did well though because people can relate to that one more <laughs> maybe so. they can yeah <laughs> more than the other and I think that's where it's really interesting where this whole kind of think peace culture thing can be useful and good because we get to we get to lure the reader in with a flashy story or a headline and then completely subvert their expectations mm. I think especially with women's writing especially about lurid topics like like sex and nudes and selfies and all that stuff and Kim Kardashian people expect the knee-jerk response I'm so sick of people thinking that like internet feminism is this brutal mob of angry harridans you know that we're all just trying to I don't burn know burn our bras and kill burn all the guys. and kill Milo Yiannopoulos <laughs> like we're not you know I mean it's it's actually more about just giving people voices and also it's about it does allow for a more nuanced take sometimes. The problem is, yeah, there are Twitter mobs on both sides. but um, And you, Twitter is a mob. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is. But it's not the be-all and end-all. I mean, I'd rather be remembered for the things I've written, like the articles, than for my tweets, you know? Um, but they might have got your articles through Twitter. I know. So. <laughs> but, but then I can charm them. I can keep them. Yeah. I can retain my readers and hopefully introduce a bit more into the discussion. Do you find, I suppose, we hear a lot about people's attention spans shrinking and things like this and there has been a lot of the rise of listicles and, and quizzes and with digital and sometimes it can get a bad rep. Do you do you think that like your audiences are still want more? Like they do still want the opinion and they do still want the kind of the substance type pieces? Well, like I think if, if you look at BuzzFeed, um, like the, I suppose they're the masters of the listicles. Definitely. Um, and like I remember um, Mark Little had a great quote, finder of Storyful, about the fluffy cat videos. Now, I'm not a fluffy cat video sharer myself, but probably if there was a really cute puppy, I might sit and watch <laughs> and give it a like. But that that type of content affords, affords editors and reporters the time to go and research and to document the stories that that maybe not everyone wants to read mm-hmm. um, and that may not necessarily be the big traffic drivers or the big social hitters, but that need to be covered. So for me, I don't like, OK, there's there's certain sites um, may do it quite a bit. And I know uh, where I have to hold our, hold our hands up like that was one of the one of the things that I changed when I came back. It was to, to lessen them. But you you can't you can't get rid of rid of something that works so well yeah. because it does like they're they're serious traffic drivers, 
Um, and if as long as people are still reading them, we'll to continue to read them. And that's indicative of the demand, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, people don't run pieces that aren't popular. You certainly don't run, run them twice or three yeah. times. Yeah. Um, you can test the waters with something yeah. that works so it doesn't work. You know, you, you don't do it again or you do do it again. Um, but absolutely, the, the demand is there for light and fluffy and the demand is there for the bigger PC, you know, and it's not just about doing a constant stream of Kardashian content. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it's, it's about trying to create a more well-rounded, balanced product. Um, and that and that includes taking hopefully more than one or two boxes, um, taking lots of different boxes and, and really giving the user a nice, a nice experience of of lifestyle media, of, yeah. of and lists are good because they are lifestyle like a lot of lists, lists have a bad name because some lists are actually quite informative it could yeah, be like their top favourite spots to have dinner or something mm-hmm. like that yeah. and then not only are you promoting like Irish places to eat and stuff like that which I've had loads of feedback on stuff like that or it could be like the, you know the best things to get under 20 or in a certain shop or something and then you've students who are actually looking for that so yeah. sometimes the list actually is what people are demanding at the time I don't overdo it and some lists I read sometimes I'm like how do they even get to like 21 of these <laughs> like did 21 of these even exist but I, I find one of the ones that do really well are kind of the ones that um are kind of you know like the top five hits that were on in the 90s or the top 10 reasons we love to be witch like some of them are just like nice yeah. and they're fun yeah. and your family wants to read them and people in work wants to read them and then in between them you can have the really serious like shocking stories too so it's like exactly what you said Gillian like it's about having a rounded experience and what I always tell my report is it's like if we're talking about it here if you're talking about it with your friends then we mm. need to be writing about it yeah. like if you're going to talk about it like I remember at the start whenever I get new people in if they're like oh chatting about this and I'm like why is not on the site and they're like should that be on the site and I'm like are you interested in it yes well then yeah if you're talking about it we should be talking Absolutely. about it it's literally yeah. a constant yeah. conversation that's what and are. that's why you know it's still important for us to certainly on Shemazin to cover bigger news stories like Paris Siege. I mean, it would have been impossible for us not Not to cover that because Mm -hmm. that's what everyone's talking about. So while you might say something as, I suppose, traumatic and um, as as huge as that mightn't be our stereotypical content. I mean, you know, it it is what everyone is talking about, you know, Mm -hmm. and and it's therefore it's got to be up there. We we need to make sure that we have our finger on the pulse for that kind of story also. That's really funny. That brings to mind something. So for the last like three years, I mean, I sound so puritanical and every so often I do go back to it, but I basically banned myself from going on Mail Online (laughs) because of the juxtaposition of the stories. Because Mm. the day that I quit the the Daily Mail... It's like I'm at some addiction meeting now or something. <laughs> <laughs> sidebar of shame. The day I left the sidebar of shame, I logged onto like the homepage and there was on the right hand side in the sidebar, there was, you know, a, one of the Kardashians. I think it was Chloe had poured her curves into a bikini. And then to the left of that, there was a story about a woman in somewhere in Eastern Europe and she had been gang raped and then lit on fire. And then she'd had four limbs amputated. And then they had I clicked onto that picture because I have this awful, I mean, I I don't believe in trigger warnings, but some things really do mess me up. And that story, I knew it was going to, but I just wanted, I don't know, I just had to see what on earth had happened to this poor woman. And they had this, I scrolled down and there was a picture that said like, in happier times. And there was something really lecherous about it. It was like this blonde, pretty girl. And it was just sadness porn. And it was beside this, and obviously it's awful that it happened, but the way that those two stories ended up side by side, to me seemed utterly tasteless, but it was so indicative of appetites. And it was, it's, it's compiled by 
by an algorithm, I think. I mean, I don't know. But, but also think, in a newsroom, and you're back in the studio as well, in a male newsroom, which they're all male-led, I can tell you that the amount of stories that get thrown out because the person isn't pretty. Yeah. So that story, I hate to say it, probably went it in because that blonde. pretty girl was yeah. there. Yeah. And that's what they oh think God. sells. I can 100% the amount oh, of conversations I've been in. It does too. You I have mean, a story about a rape and they're like, is she pretty? Is she from the South Side? Like, yes. I swear to God, that's Jesus what Christ, comes up. It's disgusting. Yeah. I mean, it goes all the way back to like, I studied English literature and I studied like murder ballads. People love the story of the pretty dead girl you know but what I saw there was these two you know at its most tawdry really it's just and it's robot curated it's people like that and people like that and we're there's no human input but we're probably looking at it as a whole on say like a desktop the reality is most of our users consume it via Facebook or Twitter it's It's very rare while I I absolutely exactly get what you're saying that it can look odd side by side (laughs) in reality what you're doing is you're providing a, a you know a shamazing take on the story mm-hmm. on the on the story that everyone's talking about that everyone's sharing that everybody's commenting on and realistically most of our traffic comes via Facebook. So mm. people will not see a side by side story. Although mm. I do agree with you that it has to you know, that has to be a consideration. Mm-hmm. It you know in all likelihood people are going to be accessing that information via Facebook yeah, or, or possibly via Twitter and they think they're giving the readers the option you see it's either you want serious news or you want the Kardashian yeah. news so someone's mm-hmm. going to click one or the other I but that, that is I suppose that's what like I hope we can all kind of change going forward is the reasons behind stories and it is old school journalism like is the person pretty are they well to do and I think in fairness like even other websites are doing it quite well there's a lot more human stories out there mm-hmm. that have nothing to do with that but it's more about the story and sometimes they're actually the stories that go viral now that aren't the ones about the pretty Southsiders. Yeah. yeah, and I that's feel what's changing at the moment. It's really funny, actually, because you see it then adopted in this really kind of mawkish, weird way. Like, I actually screen grabbed a story that I saw in a sidebar yesterday. I think it was on another site that wasn't Daily Mail. I hope it wasn't the Daily Mail. <laughs> uh, but I do go back on it <laughs> You just go back to your Daily <laughs> no, Mail. No, man, no, I can't bring myself to actually spend time on the Daily Mail. But anyway, <laughs> this story goes, you know, okay, I'm, I sound like a snob here, but I genuinely don't know the name of a lot of those celebrities who come from, like, Towie and stuff. Mm-hmm. It was Jess something but Jess looks completely different as she bravely hits back at trolls on her plastic <laughs> surgery yeah. and it was just like wait a second, sorry what are you trying to do there are you trying to please like the, the girl power crowd who are like hit back call them out body shamers but it's also <laughs> she looks completely different and there's a picture of her looking kind of oddly shiny and botoxed and wearing an incredibly low cut top and it was like you've You've just done what the Daily Mail does where you amalgamate like three different pictures into, into one, one into one picture. You've now amalgamated maybe four different takes. The saucy take, the celebrity gossip take and the feminist Trolls. take and the concern trolling take into one weird Frankenstein story. Well, I think it's really, what well, was really interesting though is that everyone loves to, to bash the Daily Mail, yeah. the Mail Online, and and you know I'm I'm certainly no different. And uh, Alexandra and I yeah. came from that. Uh, we came from male groups. Yeah. So oh, I'm we're sorry. Probably I'm sorry. More familiar. <laughs> no, 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 but my my point is is that I think now what, what you know Mail Online is massively popular. I know I go on probably yeah, every, every day. single day. Yeah. I've got the app. Um, and I, lo- I, I love to, to, I suppose, give out about it as much as the next person. But what Mail Online proves is that you don't have to. You don't have to be praised to be popular, yeah. you know, and that's, oh, yeah. you know, Just once upon a time. <laughs> exactly. And we are all sitting here talking about, guess what? Mail online. Yeah. And that is the biggest news site in the world. Yeah. And people evidently love the product that they are offering. And once upon a time, 
your print product had to be reputable. It had to have, you know, a, a good upstanding voice of, you know, I'm not saying Emmeline doesn't, but it's interesting that you no longer have to take that kind of, I suppose, you know, like, oh, we are, uh, we are standing up for X, Y, Z. Mm. You just have to be really, really popular. Yeah, and also, just stand by your content, in fairness. You know, anything that, that goes up, you need to be able to stand yeah. by it, I think, anyway. You know, you need to be able to justify why you're, why you're doing it. Um, but it, it, is, it is interesting that inevitably we've all, we're all starting to talk about it. I think about it and what you were saying, Grace, about how the fluffy cat videos, it, it's what lends other people to get the time to the real videos. And the thing about the Mail Online is the showbiz section is the most important, but there's a New York office over there that only do hard hitting news that literally, I know people over there who had to literally go out in the middle of the hurricanes over there when the Boston bombings happened. Like there is incredible journalism happening there as well. Yeah, and those little stories about slut shaming or giving out, that's what pays the bills and that's what pays for those reporters. So mm-hmm. at the end of the day, everyone does give out about it. I still obsess it. I'll read it every day. Yeah. And I, I'm glad to give them that advertising because that's the way it's so hard to make money if you're only writing exactly what you want. Like you do have to sometimes give in to your readers if and be like, they do want there, to know. You have to yeah, feed it. At the exactly. end of the day, especially websites, because a lot of the websites now, like let's say Mail Online or Independent.ie, they're, you know, pushed with another newspaper. So they have other funding. So like Goss.ie is an advertising revenue model. So that's as many people as on the site. That's where the money's going to come from. So you have to look at that way too. So I think the mail line does have a bit bad rep, but some of the stuff that they do and BuzzFeed as well is starting to do a lot more longer like oh, they human interest stories. Reads. Like the last yeah. year they've completely changed, but they only were allowed to do that because they had the money from exactly. the other stuff. But you know what's so. weird about this? I mean, like, you know Reddit mm. and Reddit is owned by Condé Nast, aren't they? Mm. Um, I mean, this is like, a news outlet, which, yeah, it's back to that question of coherence, of what is your tone, what is your political standpoint? I mean, that still exists in the old school newspapers, or at least the illusion of it. But its website, its, its media outlets coming to resemble social media, coming to resemble this mad cacophony of voices that don't even cohere anymore, that, like Reddit. Mm. It's the, I mean, in the Daily Mail, yeah, I actually, I completely agree. If you search the Daily Mail, you could find probably like hardline feminism mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you could find hardline Kim Kardashianism. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, you know, they would never be too far from each other, really. It's just about sheer diversity covering every base. Yeah. Of course. And just, I suppose, to kind of, to finish off on like you're all here from relatively new platforms like digital destinations do you think that this offers I suppose new opportunities for women starting out in the media and starting out in journalism like is there more opportunities now say than there were even 10 years ago well I mean probably Alexandra proves that the fact that you came you know from your traditional print media background and, and yeah, came to Goss I mean I totally. think from a kind of an entrepreneurial sense absolutely I think that and, and we, we all touched on earlier the fact that people now can voice their opinions so much more easily than, than once upon a time you know as I think it was Grace said writing the letter into the editor and it was printed five days later kind of thing you know <laughs> where now all you have to do is whip out your smartphone and suddenly mm. you have that platform and you have that voice so I think you know particularly for women and again particularly maybe going against that old school print media male dominated um, foundation um, I think the opportunities are really there for women to make their voices heard make their opinions heard to interact with their friends you know create communities communities that don't have to be based on where you live Mm. they're based on shared interests like girl crew Exactly, yeah. absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. Mm-hmm. So I think it's hugely exciting and it's certainly something that we should be celebrating and we evidently are celebrating. And, and going forward, I mean, we just need to be constantly developing that and, and getting more women involved. 
perfect okay. thanks a million everyone thank thanks you very much. so much that's all from today's show if you'd like to keep in touch please tweet us at Media HQ News you can also listen to previous episodes of Media Flash on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com forward slash Media HQ or search MediaHQ.com on iTunes today's programme was researched and produced by Mirren Beasley Connor McMahon and myself Alex Sheehan music is by our colleague Callum O'Reardon and you can find more of his work on SoundCloud just search for Callum Orr Sound supervision today was by Mr. Brian Conlon of Unique Media, who is a spanner to our leaky tap. We'll be back on March 30th with Hollywood's master storyteller, Robert McKee. We'll see you then. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.